We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another episode of the Golden Blogs podcast, the Bearcast. We are changing up the format today. We are going, going rogue. Go, are we going rogue, <laughs> or are we just <laughs> new endeavors? Is that the better way to put it? I don't. I don't know. Uh, yeah, we're we're going to go with something new now. Um, in terms of just the formatting, that doesn't mean we're like changing hosts or anything like that. It's going to be you and me, but we're just changing it up, like how it, how it, you from we're, what it's we're been in game adjustments. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Opposite yeah. of what generally happens in Cal games. Yeah, opposite. Very, <laughs> very opposite of what happens in Cal games. Although, I do think the halftime adjustments from this week was not bad. Not te- not terrible, but at least we came out of the gate kind of, like, out of halftime pretty well, in my opinion. I agree with you. Yeah. We went all the way down. The f- if it wasn't for that Vic Wharton drop. Yeah. Um, where he easily had the touchdown with... If we had scored, I still think if we scored that touchdown there, they get back into the funk they were in in that first half. But kicking the field goal. Yeah, and, and that led them back into the game. Mm-hmm. They got a little bit of momentum off of, yeah, we held them to just the field goal. But, yeah, we're going to go straight right into um, the Cal-Oregon game. So Andy and I uh, decided, you know, from now on, this top top of the top of the podcast, we're going to go through the experience, what it felt like to be at game day, um, some of just our little little things that we felt uh, before the game, through the game, after the game, and then we'll go on to the game itself. So, so yeah, how, 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 what do you think of the atmosphere? I mean, Friday night game, you know, 7 p.m., Friday night lights. It was kind of empty. It was. It Wasn't started it? off pretty empty. I, the student section filled up quite a bit, though, by the – maybe about like two minutes into the first quarter, which is understandable. I mean, some kids still do have class. It is a Friday. Like, it is still a school day. Um, so I remember like when we were sitting there, like right before kickoff and it was about maybe like a third of the student section was full. But then by the, like I checked like a couple minutes later into the game and it was like maybe three or four rows from the top. That was the only empty spots. So not bad, not a bad turnout. And I think they, what they say, the paid attendance was 48 or something around that. The funny thing to me was 
Well, we always depend on our opponent to bring so many fans to the, to the games. Yeah, and yeah, we do. This is the first year that Oregon fans didn't show up. I mean, I can't remember when we had that game at Levi's and they brought seventy five or seventy percent of the whole stadium. Um, this is the first year that I felt like Oregon just didn't travel well. It was a really, really small contingent of Oregon fans, and it wasn't. Maybe if they all sat in one section, it probably would have filled up maybe one section, right? Like in the gold or in the, was it, is it the blue or the gold zone? But, you know, right around there. But they were all like spread out in like groups of like, there were some groups of like 15 to 20 people, but then most of them were like twos and threes of Ducks fans that were just sporadic everywhere. So it didn't feel like a lot from what we're used to seeing. Um, so that tells you, I don't, you know what, I, I, I can't speak for other fan bases, but for a team that's done that well of late, right, within the last, let's say, eight to ten years, has been perennially a football powerhouse. You know, what was it, like two years ago they made the national championship game? Was that two years ago? Yeah, so it's not they're not that far removed from, like, greatness. But then this season, like, they're so subpar compared to what they are, and then it just feels like everyone kind of hopped off that wagon. And I don't want to call fans that didn't come to the game bandwagon fans, but it kind of feels that way if, like, I don't know. If I lived in Oregon and Cal was coming up to play, regardless of how Cal was doing that year, I would go. Like, if, if we were winless, I would still go. It's the one time of the year that you have to see your team. Exactly. Especially if you live here. And, you know, like, if... Well, unless, like, to be fair, they play... I don't know if they play state... I don't think they play Stanford at home this year, huh? No. No. Yeah, so that's your one time, unless yeah. you travel to see them elsewhere. Yeah. That's so. pretty lame. Your first... Yeah. It's your, it's your first losing uh, season, Yeah. and it's still not even decided yet. No, I it's not. Magically turn it around. But your first losing season in uh, longer than I can remember, 2005? Probably, yeah, yeah, it was... Right around probably more ten, so basically ten plus years since you've been bad, quote unquote. So maybe the expectation is that you're so good and you get so good that when you're bad, you're like, eh, next year. So you've already like just like just scrapped it because you know you're going to be better next year. I would never know because right. none yeah, of my you, teams have ever performed at that level that I root for. Yeah, the Giants are the closest thing that I've ever had to that. And every year after they win the World Series, they, they go back to being being mediocre. And not even, like, sometimes not, uh, I mean, what was it, like, the, after the first year? After the first one or the second one, they didn't even make the playoffs that year. Oh, no, after, yeah, after, every single year after they haven't. They made. haven't made the playoffs, right? Yeah, so that's like a drop-off. So as a, as a Giants fan like that, do you just scrap it and just go, even year next year? Is that mm-hmm. how you felt last year going into this year? No, I mean, well, in the moment when you're in the season, I'm at all the games, and I attend the same amount of games regardless. But, yeah, I think in the off season, as you're – I mean, Denard's fan signed and was like, it's an even year. Yeah. And so, yeah, you start to get that momentum. But I don't know if it necessarily uh, – Well, you got the Quato signing and the Smarger signing too, so. Yeah. 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 I don't think it lends itself to being like, no, I'm not going to go to this game because the season's over. They're at least competitive. It'd be – you know, interesting. I mean, it's an interesting dynamic with the Royals fans too. Uh, but I think to speak to the consistency of the Giants fans, just for the last moment that we cover this, at least we have that sellout streak. So over the course of yeah. the last five, six seasons, I think every game's been sold out, and so they're still showing up. Oregon fans, I don't know. Maybe it was 
Friday night is weird too. To give him credit, that is true. Saturday I mean, is way better. I mean, if you live in Oregon, you could still possibly you can make the drive down if it's a Saturday night game. You could leave Friday night and you would get here, you know, early Saturday morning, and you could make game day. Um, I remember my freshman year rally com. That was the 07 year where we played in Oregon. You know, the Mark Cezef, that whole. You were in rally com. I was my oh. freshman year. Um, I did not make it up to the game. But I remember them uh, showing like the the schedule of what, how it was gonna happen, like how Rallycom was gonna get there, and it was they were gonna leave Friday, um, or I can't remember what day the game was on. But they were gonna leave the day before. They were gonna drive up halfway. They were gonna sleep at uh, one of the Rallycom members' high school gym, like they had already s- scheduled it like that. So just bring your sleeping bag, and then they were gonna go up the day of, the, like arrive in Eugene the day of the game, watch the game, and then just drive straight back down. Yeah, uh, back to Berkeley. And we I, we drove up Friday day. Yeah, got up there. It's an eight hour drive. Yeah, got so up there around bad. eight nine. Yeah, and then um, yeah, then we drove back down Sunday. I mean that's that's like driving from the Bay Area down to San Diego. Mm-hmm. Just just about. I mean that's that's not that bad a drive. Really. So maybe it was the Friday night game that threw it off. Maybe blame the Pac twelve. Yeah, not the Ducks fans. Yeah, we got your back, Ducks fans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how did you feel after the game? Like, well, what did you feel like going back home through, like, after? I was angry. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, was, I was legitimately angry. I had four friends staying with me in town that weekend, and I met up with all of them at Kipps afterwards. Uh-huh. And um, they're like, oh, what a game. And I was, no, did I meet up with everyone? No, no, we didn't go to Kipps afterwards, sorry. Uh, but I met up with them, they're like, oh, yeah, what a game. And I was like, oh, that game was awful. I mean, I think because they all left in the second to third quarter and didn't have to watch the third quarter collapse, and they're like, oh, yeah, we won in overtime. So, yeah, if you knocked out the third quarter. If you just watched like, the first, like, the first, like, quarter and a half, and then you just saw the final final score, you're like, oh, wow, we beat Oregon. Like, that's how you would feel. Exactly. But if you watch the full game, and I know you got a lot of slack for this, for saying that, how this was a very embarrassing way to win. Um, and I, I'm, I'm totally in with that. Um, I, I totally felt that way too. I mean, yeah. I we mean, were talking about how embarrassing it was to win by what we expected to be four touchdowns, and that we had beaten an Oregon team that was this, abysmal, exactly. absolutely abysmal. And then to squeak one out against that same team—that was a tough transition on my mental state. Like in terms of. I mean, let me let me check one thing. Uh, in terms of like the the Pac-12 play, right? Oregon is what I think they've won one game. Have they not won it one at all? No, they haven't won a single one. And that was the first game that they led in. Exactly. And Oregon, we lost to an Oregon State team who's now one in three. Like their only win was against us, right? Let's say we had somehow beaten Oregon State in overtime, right? Would that have been more of an embarrassing loss, or would this Oregon? T- game would have been more embarrassing like what's more embarrassing that like if we had oh one or like lost to this Oregon team I think it would have been more embarrassing well wait to win so I so think if it we had more embarrassing to to win <laughs> sorry this, this question got me really good yeah I think it'd be more embarrassing to lose the Oregon game I don't know, man. I'm lost. <laughs> I think that the Oregon State game... Right, but that's that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, your confusion in all this is ex- ex- exactly what I, wanted to, what I wanted to get at, was 
regardless of how, like, you know, yeah, we beat Oregon, like, in that much time, like, which one was more embarrassing for Cal fans, to lose an Oregon State team that hadn't won any Pac-12 games for the last 12 times, or to beat an Oregon, to beat an Oregon team in overtime by three against this team that, that's been basically the doormat of the Pac-12 this year, like, yeah, a win's a win. That's great. Like, you know, results are great. Right. Yeah. Hurrah. But at the same time, like... Hurrah. Yeah. Hurrah. Hurrah. Like, I think it's a win's a win, right? But I think we we shouldn't take this Oregon win too much into the whole, ha Oregon, we beat you finally mm, yeah. realm. Like, a win is fine by my standards, right? You know, you just want the a plus one in the W column. But the, the you take it the one step further, and you're like, man, we finally beat that Oregon team. Like, heck yeah. Like, not really. Yeah, I texted my friend and said, uh, well, I guess this means I get to talk smack to you guys finally, because it's been since 2007. And I said, but I only think I deserve this. And I just wrote, yay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, realistically, at this rate, every single Pac-12 team has the right to talk smack against Oregon fans. At the rate it's going, every single Pac-12 team they play, they're going to beat, or they're going to lose to. Mm-hmm. And, right? And and where's the fun in that? Like, you know? Like, kicking them while they're down, like, it, it's, it's not fun, right? It would have been way more fun to win that game that Georgia did the false start on the field goal. That, that one? Yeah. That would have been the, speaking of which, interestingly enough, Clancy, Clancy's defense in that game. But, um... Uh, that would have been the one that we could always hold over them. Be like, yeah. yeah, well, we got you that one year when you guys were ranked, what was it, one or yeah. two? But I agree. This one just doesn't have the punch. Maybe next year. Maybe. Maybe. If they return to form. But they have, a, they have, they have bigger questions in terms of like quarterback play that they got to figure out, and they got to figure out their wide receiver situation, and they got to figure out their defense because I don't know about you, but... If you're allowing our run game to dominate your run defense, like, you got issues. Like, we're not that great at running the ball. But apparently we were today. So, um, I guess should we just get, get right into the game now? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so, Cal played Oregon uh, Friday night, last Friday. This is, we're already recording on Wednesday, so it's been a while. <laughs> but Cal wins in overtime 52-49. to 49. Oh, what a nail-biter. I mean... Yeah, it was a nail biter towards the end, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was sitting there with my hand over my head, being like, no, no, no. That's right. Andy, Andy was sitting next to me in the box, because we always sit next to each other in the box, and he, uh, he was looking up, or he couldn't watch the final field goal uh, by Matt Anderson. Um, not the one in regulation that he missed, the one in overtime where we couldn't get into the end zone. So... Yeah, I mean, just to go over some stats for you before we talk about dwelve into the game. Davis Webb, 61 attempts, 42 completions, 325 yards, five touchdowns, two sacks, not a single turnover on, yeah. on either team until that final interception. That's the crazy part. No fumbles, no interceptions. I think this is his best game as a Bear, and I know it sounds ridiculous because that Texas game, he was pretty lights out. Yeah. But for me— This was his most complete game, mm-hmm. in my opinion. He made the right reads. He made the right throws. He didn't force any throws. Made sure he went to the guy. I mean, yeah, I, we'll we'll talk, we'll talk about it a little bit. And I just wanted because I just want to read some of these running stats, right? Mm-hmm. Trey Watson, twenty eight carries, one hundred and fifty six uh, 
yards gained. He lost two on a tackle for loss. So net of 154. That's an average of 5.5. Kalfani Muhammad, 23 carries, 148 yards. That's an average of 6.4. Both of them did not have a rushing touchdown. All right. And then none of our wide receivers eclipsed the 60-yard mark. Uh, but Vic Warren caught 7 for 55. D-Rob had 6 for 39. Stovall had 6 for 35. Trey had 5 for 50. Bug had 4 for 47. Hudson had 4 for 30. Singleton had 4 for 27. Kalfani Mama had 3 for 19. VC 2 for 13. And Worstel 1 for 10. So we threw the ball around pretty evenly, in my opinion. I think that's, that's you can't get any more even than that. No, he had 300 yards passing and not a single receiver had a, what, above 60 yards. Yeah, 55. That was the most by Vic Horn. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, that is like the definition of taking what the defense is giving you, I suppose. Yeah, and I guess we'll get into that. I mean, we talked about um, just Davis Webb's performance. But I think for me, the biggest thing was everyone was like, why isn't he taking the shots over the top? Well, one, we didn't – that wasn't a game plan. Like they knew that they were going to sit in a zone in a little bit, and if it was a if it was a if it was a single high safety, they were going to go run the underneath route because it was probably going to be a zone with the linebackers in the middle, and you're going to take that drag out over the middle, and that's and we trusted our guys like guys like Vic Warden, guys like Melky Stovall to make the first linebacker miss and go upfield for about four or five yards. Clearly, that's what worked, right? And I mean, our offense was um, like just. A well-oiled machine that first half. It was, yeah, it was the best. Yeah, I mean, the best first half of Cal football that I've seen, maybe in the Sunny Dykes era. Yeah, and Sunny did say that too. I don't remember if this was the post-game conference or the, or I'm pretty sure it was the post-game conference, uh, where he did say, um, you know, that that was their plan. They were going to go with the underneath routes because that's what they felt like the defense would give them the most, and they were going to play through that strength. And if that was the game plan, you executed that game plan to perfection. There was not, there was not like, you know, it's college football. You're going to have misses. You're going to have drops, right? That's just, that's just part of the game. But the fact that you went to it so strong and you made sure that was the point of emphasis in your offense and then built off of that was the draw plays and the fakes. And, you know, I don't think we, I didn't think we ran like a single like end around type trick play. You know the little ones that we run where he runs in front of Davis and he kind of tosses it to him mm-hmm. to get that speed, um, you know, into the like a basically like an outside handoff type deal. Um, we didn't do any of that, and yet we were so effective in in going with the run. And remember that stat I read you last week about running between the guards. You know, we're third, I think, in or we're first in the Pac-12 when we run over one of the guards at like five yards of carry or something like that, and we did that. That's exactly what we did. And that's how we dominated the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I think coming out of the bye week, too, it's because, you know, we always give Sonny a hard time for how awful he looks coming out of bye weeks. This was our first win coming out of a bye week. And if you took the first half, <laughs> yeah, you'd be exactly with where you're at. And it's like we came out and executed that game plan. It seemed like whatever they did over the bye week worked, uh, even defensively. We held them very much in check from the first quarter. I think Oregon had 60 total yards of offense after the first quarter. And that is the that is outstanding. From a defense <laughs> from a defense we know all too well isn't used to doing that. So, I mean, just the stat line that baffles me alone is Royce Freeman, right? 
probably, probably, arguably the best running back in the Pac-12. He's arguably just on talent alone. He had 15 carries for 19 yards. That's under a yard a carry. That's .7 yards a carry. I mean, that's what we did. James looked better than him all night. He did. Brooks James did look really good, and he had 109 yards on 15 carries, so an average of 7.3. But um, the fact that we held those two running backs in check pretty much just, I don't know. I thought our defense was going to be locked down the rest of the game, at least in the first half. It, that's what it looked like, right? I, they it looked, even looked like that in the second half. The it did. Thing that twist, well, a lot of people have said that they didn't think the pooch punt was the thing that turned the game, but I still am having a hard time finding any other play that had as big of an impact in my mind as that one because of the short field. And whether or not you thought it was the right decision or we were bringing the, you know, that particular play to the line multiple times and that's why it was effective the first time so it had to go wrong or Davis Webb can kick it 60 yards in practice, whatever. He kicked it 10 yards. <laughs> he kicked it 10 yards, and it was at your own 30. And you were up by 20. And all of a sudden, a short field, your defense relaxes, as anyone up 20 would probably do. And momentum starts to shift. Momentum, maybe Oregon started game playing better. People pointed out that Darius was out, and I, both of us saw that impact firsthand. But I, I have a hard time finding any other play that felt like that turned the table. And you can usually find that play really well when you're, when you're watching a game live, and that is the one I've always... I've been, I mean, I've been mulling this game over my head for five days now, and I still can't get out from finding you know, that one play. I mean, the Vic Wharton drop that we didn't get the seven on, or the six, and then the pooch punt decision... The pooch punt result, I'll say that, is the one that really sticks out to me. For me, the, for me if you were to pick a play that I think maybe changed the flow of the game... Personally, yeah, the pooch punt is up there. Um, the pooch punt is a very close second, in my opinion. But the big one was we got the ball coming out of the half. And if I remember this correctly, this is it's been it's been close to a week, so I don't I don't know if I remember this correctly. But regardless, we ended that drive on a Matt Anderson field goal for a twenty two yard field goal instead of a touchdown. That made the score thirty four fourteen. Right, that was the twenty point lead. Right. Instead of, we could have been up 38-14, right? I, yeah. think, I think that was, I think, I don't, I don't know what play, what plays it were that got us to the field goal, but just that drive alone, if we had culminated that drive with a touchdown instead of just three That's points. That's the one. That's the one where Vic dropped it. Is that, is that what, yeah. Yeah, he yeah, had no. that, like, he, it was in his hands, and yeah. he just ran without the ball. Yeah. So if we had done that, I think this game would have been wrapped up. Easy. I think it, I yeah I don't I don't doubt it for a single second if that if we had come out of the gate on our first drive scored a touchdown we basically killed them any morale they had coming out of halftime but we didn't they held us they did the whole bend but not break thing on defense and they held us to three points and then that's when they started to come back with the Justin Herbert one yard pass and then a Justin Herbert twelve yard pass and a Justin Herbert six yard pass that's three consecutive touchdown passes. With no answer, right? And that that was that basically ended the third quarter and was the first drive of Oregon's in the fourth quarter. It was their first lead in a Pac-12 game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, and they were up 35, 40, 34. And both of us, both of us, as soon as I remember that last one went, we're like, oh, God, it's happening again, isn't it? It's happening again. <laughs> the whole stadium felt it. Yeah. It's bad. It's, I don't know what fan didn't feel it. If it's, you're... it's bad that we feel it. It's bad. Because <laughs> if you know if we feel it, then the players feel it. Yeah. You know, all, every single one of those players is going, oh, boy, here we go again. If, if we can feel it, they're the ones in the game. I mean, how would you keep your head out of that? I don't, I don't know. Um, what was your favorite moment? My favorite moment of the game? Oh, that's, I think that's easy. It's, it's easy. Just J.D. Hinnant, two-point conversion. There's no question that is by far the best moment of the game. That play was designed perfectly. Like, I, <laughs> I, I rewatched that play over and over again, and I, f- I fully broke it down. And here's what happens in the play. You line up Aaron Cochran at tight end. You have J.D. Hinnett playing left guard. You pull, you pull Cochran pre-snap, and he, goes, he motions out wide. You snap the ball, and you look, you look at Cochran's direction, right? And you're about to throw. Instead, you fake that, and you look back left. J.D. Hinnett, from the left guard spot, sneaks out to the, to the left flat. Uh, actually, more like a down and out, basically. And Trey Watson moves over to the left side of Davis Webb and picks up the right end who's, who's pass rushing. And so basically he played left guard. Like he just got that one solid block. And J.D. Hinnon's wide open. No one near him on that side of the field. There, there's two reasons I think this, this play works out perfectly. One, right, you, you snuck out J.D. Hinnon perfectly, right? Two, what happened in the NFL just that week before? Do you not remember this? Don Terry Poe scores a touchdown from Alex Smith with that exact same type play, except he's a defensive tackle, right? And he rushed it in. Um, the play was that that play was weird for fantasy purposes because everyone was like so excited because if you're an Alex Smith owner, I'm not, but that would have been four points to your fantasy team because he threw a touchdown. But on replay, the pass actually went backwards, so it was a rushing touchdown for Don Terry Poe. <laughs> wow. So. Um, but if you if if you're a football fan, and, and this is just my maybe I'm overthinking this, but if you're a football fan, right, like any and like any of these football players are, they probably watched some NFL that weekend, and they probably saw this play in the top ten. And I'm assuming a lot of the guys, as soon as you saw that happen, goes, "That's what's happening. That's that's what happened last week. Like I saw that. Ha ha, Cal, you're not faking us, right? It was that type of mentality. I think in the split seconds that the play was going on. And they totally whiffed on J.D. Hinnant coming back out to the other side. And so that was my little take on the play. Like, I was like, I'm, like, it was, Sonny said they've been working on this play, like, all throughout fall camp, you know? And I'm sure they have. But it just worked out perfectly that it was like an inception-type moment, right? That the NFL ran that type of play just the, just the, just the weekend before. And I'm sure guys saw it, because it was on SportsCenter, like, top 10 plays, too. And then you run that type of play with the left guard or left left tackle, and it's just you know, it's just one of those things because you watch so much tape that it's gonna start affecting like how you process what you see on the field. And I'm sure like some of the some of the secondary guys were like, oh, I saw that in the NFL play last week. Like that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna throw it, and it's gonna be like a screen screen pass to him, and they're just gonna try to rush it in. And everyone rushed over there. Jaden is wide open for two. I like that Cochran jumped up 
Yeah, so yeah, that to, to sell it. Gonna I, sell it. So that's what I that's that's what I kind of wonder was was that the first read, and then the second read was JD Hinnit? Like I I, I really want to know what the process is for that play because because the way Cochran really jumped up and down. You gotta ask him next time. I will. I will. <laughs> I will. <laughs> we were in there with yeah, the guy. I know, but he <laughs> it didn't didn't it look like he really wanted the ball? Yeah, like, I, it wasn't I, just the selling. I like, thought he was selling it. You thought he was selling it, yeah. but he. He did a real good job if he was just selling it, but it really looked like he wanted the ball, which was... <laughs> that was, was awesome. That was an amazing, amazing, amazing play. I think, um, uh, for you? I think mine is actually a play that didn't even count. Which was? Stovall's OD Oh, my impression. God. How did I forget about that? Like, that was such an... I've watched that replay of that catch <laughs> so many times. It's like such a bummer that is. I mean, he wasn't even out of bounds that much. That yeah, such. A but nice it, I mean, but he was out of bounds for sure. Like oh, he yeah. was, he was off by like maybe about eh, about six inches. Yeah, at least if not yeah, more than that. If not more than that, but I mean, that's still close to the sideline. I didn't know he had those type of hands. I didn't know he had that type of athleticism. I thought he had shiftiness. I didn't think he had the the leaping like one handed grabability. Is that even a word? Grabability. I guess it is now. Patented on the Bearcats. <laughs> We're making new words here. Oh, oh god that 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 <laughs> it was so awesome. <laughs> All the, I remember I distinctly remember that play happening and you and I just kind of brushed it off. I was like, "Oh, it's just a missed catch, right?" But then we looked up on the TV screen and we're like, "What the heck was that? Holy crap. The man <laughs> The man, I mean I I don't know how else to put it. It was an exact rendition of the Odell Beckham catch from last year. <laughs> exactly. Jumping backwards, left hand extended fully out. I mean, I don't know if it was three fingers. I didn't see fully what the catch was, but he got the hand on it and he reeled it in, except he was already out of bounds. It was, yeah, it was just an incredible play. It gives me a lot of hope for Stillwall going forward. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll talk about next year when we get to, like, maybe the off season this year, but... Oh, with some of the wideouts that we're getting coming in next year, I this is like, and especially because of the fact that we'll probably be starting like maybe a, a sophomore or a redshirt freshman at quarterback. That means this offense is going to grow together for like another two, three years, just like how we saw Jared grow with those wide receivers from last year, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, it's not a knock on them, but the baseline of talent that those guys, that these guys have that are coming in, is a lot higher than how we had to develop those guys. Right, so it's, it's so intriguing. But we'll it's talk. intriguing because I mean, all those guys though are in the NFL. Yeah. So I wonder if maybe they were underrated. Yeah. Like Stephen Andersons of the world. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. It definitely could be. You know, I mean, just because you're a four star, five star athlete doesn't mean you'll make it to the league, right? It's not. A, there's no guarantees. So, yeah. But there is that. Um, should we? Go, what What else should we go into? Should we? Since we're changing up the format, it's I'm all over the place today. <laughs> <laughs> let's break into the other Pac-12 games. Yeah, let's break into the. What was your notable Pac-12 game uh, from this week? There was only four, but um, do you have one that, uh, that I, at least from the box score that like catches your eye? No, I was just happy that Stanford lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest one. Is they seem that makes the big game. The big game can be ours. The big game is a toss-up. For the first time in a long time, 
I think you can reasonably say anybody can walk away with the big game this year. Even the optimist in me last year was like, yes, uh, Cal can win against Stanford in Stanford. And then, you, you know, you go to the game, you're over. Okay, no, we had a good shot last year, in my yeah. opinion. But, I mean, the score alone, 10 to 5, Colorado beat Stanford like that. <laughs> Is that a baseball score? Like, <laughs> I hope, didn't we talk about this? We hope that McCaffrey gets healthy for the Cal game. Yeah, because so it's going to be like how we felt against Oregon, right? It's like... The first half. Yeah. Like, I would want to... I would want... if. If I'm going to lose to Stanford, I would want to lose to a fully fit Stanford. If I'm going to beat Stanford, I want to beat a fully fit Stanford. Right? That's just, that's, you know what? I'm going to go with, yeah. If I'm going to lose, I'm going to, oh, I want to lose 100%. I want to be their best. Exactly. And if I want to win, beat them, I want to beat their best. Like, you know, same with Oregon. That, you know, if we had beat o- Oregon while Mariota was there, I'd be so much more happy than this one. Right? That's just, yeah, of course. Like, even if we. That's why that. 09 Stanford win is so exactly special because yeah. uh because you you beat them when I mean that's why that big game obviously was well, huge to play but yeah. with Elway yeah and beating Elway yeah that was huge right so I think for me for this week it's a toss up between the Utah UCLA game or the Washington State Arizona State game because my here's my two things I thought the Washington State game Arizona State game I thought Washington State was gonna blow them away like absolutely destroy them. But then it was only a five-point game, 37-32. So, and Kalen Ballage only had 82 yards rushing, right? And I thought what this game was going to basically be was Arizona State was going to constantly try and run the ball because they don't have any other options versus Washington State that's going to keep throwing the ball and be successful throwing the ball. So I thought it was going to be like a, you know, they were just going to run up the score and Arizona State just couldn't keep up. But definitely not the case. In terms of the Utah-UCLA game, the big... The big news coming out of that is Rosen didn't play. Or if, I don't know if he didn't play or if he left maybe early, but regardless, their quarterback was Mike Fafaul. I have no idea how to say his last name. Fafaul? Yeah, but I mean, but he threw 70 times for 464 yards and five touchdowns. Wow. That's Rosen's backup against Utah. So. They just, oh my goodness, Joe Williams. Yeah. Oh, by the way, yeah, Joe Williams comes out of retirement, by the way. Comes out of retirement and 332 yards on 29 carries and four touchdowns. So aren't we glad we didn't play that Utah team with Joe Williams? Because we would have lost for sure. (laughs) Uh, But I will take the W, my friend. I will take that W. That's a W I will take with pride and honor. That Utah game. Well earned. Well earned. But yeah, I mean, this... the. The whole thing with Rosen is that it's a nerve issue. It's a pinched nerve issue in his shoulder. Um, I believe it is his throwing shoulder, which means that I don't know what that necessarily means. Like I don't in, in terms of medically, like what that feels like. Does it feel like maybe sometimes you don't have control over your arm, or like it just hurts because it is a pinched nerve? Because um, I know people that have had pinched like spinal spinal nerves. Like, they're, like, in immense pain. Mm. Um, and they just have to wait for it to kind of just straighten out. And they got to go through a little bit of rehab to, like, stretch it out, basically. Um, so I don't think there's a timetable on this. I think it might actually be week to week. And if that's the case, if you let's – what is it? UCLA is at 1-4 in Pac-12 play, 3-5 in the season. 
let's say they lose two more games, right? What's what's to say you don't shut Rosen down for the rest of the season? Right? Yeah. Am, is, am, I, am I crazy to think that? No. No? Not worth the risk. Right? I mean, granted, he is eligible for the NFL, but I don't think he... He go, is? Yeah, he is. You're allowed to go after two years. Huh. Mm. So... I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but if he if that backup threw for five touchdowns against Utah, <laughs> yeah, nothing nothing is falling in our favor. Oh, boy. All right. Should we move on to next week's game? Yeah. Or actually, by the time you're listening to this, it'll be today's game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Cal is playing Utah, or USC. Sorry, not U- Utah. Again. Um, again. <laughs> Um, on ESPN, 7.30 p.m. Thursday, USC is favored by 14. That's the spread. The over-under is set at 75 or 75 and a half. Um, so, yeah, let's go from there. What, what do you think about this game? Let's before We'll get to that predictions at the very end. But what do we – I mean, I know you did the defensive preview. Yeah. So that's previewing. I can tell you read my article. Yes, yes. <laughs> I did not have a chance to even go to our website today. So uh, um, it's the USC. You previewed the USC defense. Yeah. Right. So I look so, at the defense and what they play. So who so, who do we need to look out for on the defense? Who do we need to look out for? Who do we need? What do we need to attack on that defense? Okay. Well, the fun thing is you have uh, Clancy who leads that defense. Right. And he's and been pretty good. Very good. Yeah. Very good. And. Especially over the last three games. Yeah. Like, I, I looked at it at the beginning of the season, and then you have their defense is ranked statistically lower. So you look at it, if you were just to look at you go on ESPN and look at their USC little page, you'd be like, okay, they give up about 60th worse, like, in passing and rushing. and then But then you evaluate it over the last three games, and it's like, oh, man. You know, <laughs> you slowed down Arizona State, slowed down Colorado, and slowed down uh, Arizona. Yep. And... Even as bad as Arizona is, you still can make the case that what they played Washington dropped, I think, like over 25 points yeah. on them. So they're even not awful, um, but they are pretty bad this year. So, bottom line, um, their cornerbacks are amazing. And I always pronounce his name wrong. Is it Adore? Adore? Adore. Adore Jackson. He's a stud. Um, he plays three way. Basically, yes. yeah, because he returns kicks. He returns. I, I literally wrote it in the column. I was like, this, he is tailor made to be Cal's worst enemy in every single way. <laughs> he plays a great. He does. He's a pretty solid corner. He's a kick returner, and he's a wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <sighs> let's see if I can find the statistics right now. But um, in terms of Adoree Jackson, because I mean, yeah, I don't know how else to put it. Uh, the man is simply an athlete. Um, and Oh, kick returns. He is number one in the Pac-12 at kick returns. Uh, he's uh, kick returned 11 times for a total of 349 yards and a touchdown. His longest was a 100-yard return. Um, and his average is 31.7. You kick to the man, and he's getting it to the 30-yard line on average. Yeah, we're going to be doing those little uh, pop-up kicks. Oh, I'm yeah. Sure. Also, um, uh He's also number one in the Pac-12 in punt returning, 11 times for 171 yards and a touchdown. His longest was 77 yards. What's his average? 15.5. Solid. So you you punt it from our own 
and you send it to what? The tw- they're 25, and he recovers. That's going to be at the 40. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a huge, that's a huge deal. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the man is an absolute stud. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, there's not a lot of players that I usually want on a Cal team, like from another Pac-12 team. He is one. He is definitely one. Yeah. Um, I guess in terms of our offense, what what do you think is what do you think we need to do on the defensive side of the ball? Honestly, I'm not I'm not scared of the offense. I'm actually more scared of the defense. Okay. I think their defense has the ability to really shut down what we do well. So they have a really strong secondary. Their D line is not that good this year. They lost a lot of players. So if we it, it seems to be the same formula for us. If we can establish the run, and as you said, run between the tackles at the rate that we've continued to do so, then I think we can start to open up some passing lanes as the DBs start to help out a little bit because um, they use a lot of their linebackers in their rush formation. So they'll send a lot of guys off the edge. And um, that's like Clancy's standard defense. A lot of the guys, all right, I should say everyone, everyone posting on the – thread today we're talking about how Clancy gives up a ton of yards to the tight end we don't play a tight end so yeah we can say Raymond Hudson can have a big game but he's not going to be in traditional tight end formation so I don't really understand how like unless we're going to force one of their outside linebackers to play in coverage against one of our running backs or wide receiver set yeah like it I think it's going to have to be established on the ground and that's gonna I don't think we're going to do much over the top it's going to be interesting It'll be very similar to our approach against Oregon and Oregon State. So here's some key key defensive stats for me that when I was like just prepping to talk about USC that that stood out to me. First thing, so this is individual stats. Okay, they don't have a single player in the top twenty in the Pac-12 in terms of sacks. Not a single one in the top twenty. All right, um, it's deceiving though because they have a lot of players on that on that defense that have a fair amount of tackles for loss. But the crazy and this is the this is the other part is the tackles for loss. Yeah. Top 20, USC has one and it's at number 18. Porter Gustin has four. Yeah. Or four solo three assisted, so he, seven. He's really good. Yeah. <laughs> he's really good. But that's it. I mean, most other teams have two. Like we only have one, but UCLA has two, Utah has a as three. Washington has three. Uh, Washington State has like two, ASU has two, like Stanford has two. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of statistics, like it's not. They don't have like the the great individual players that we've seen in past years, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have the Brian Cushing's. They don't have the Clay Matthews. Like they don't have, like the those guys that Cravens or whatever. Yeah, Suwak Cravens. Like those, they don't have those guys that single handedly demolished us. You know, in terms of tackling ability. Leonard. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Leonard Williams. So, um, so, yes, on the D-line front, in the, the linebacking core, they have a lot of talent. Yeah. It's just not quite as developed. But it's the talent is there. And, you know, it's the thing when you're looking at that team, and even in the preview that we – the SB Nation preview, it's just like, dude, it's just like they backfield with five-star athletes. Yeah. So – you know, we talk about our team and how shall, our depth, their depth is absolutely ridiculous. 
Yeah, there was that. There was. I mean, this is in terms of their offense, but there was one point at USC when Pete Carroll was there where they had ten running backs on their team, and not a single one was below a four star, like coming out of high school. <laughs> so, I. I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, from from the judging, just purely, I didn't look at any tape. Just judging purely from the statistics, I think we can push the line of scrimmage. I think we can get up into the secondary, and the only problem is, can we make enough plays in the pass game to keep them honest against our run game? Which is weird for me to say, because right, it's been the it's been basically the exact opposite all season long. We've been running so much to no avail trying to get people to honor our run game, right? But if their corners are that good and they start shutting down our our wide receivers, but our run game is solid, can we make enough plays throwing to keep them honest against our pass? And I guess that's where the X factor lies for me, right, in this game, is regardless of whether Chad Hansen plays or not. And from the looks of it, he might suit up. He might, but it's not looking good. I'd say at this point, it's questionable. I think even if he does play, it'll be only a handful of snaps. Um, and it won't be the Chad Hansen we've seen all year long. But let's say he does play. I think for me, that basically negates Adderley Jackson. Because regardless of what happens, whether you throw to Chad or not, they're going to put Adderley on Chad. That and there's another there's another Iman Iman Marshall. Yeah. yeah. Iman so Marshall. you have the second guy, right? But we have so many other wide receivers and I this is this is the the positive for me that I came into the season with is you they don't have enough tape on all the other guys. Like last year, right? When we when our offense was on the field. Don't give Kenny the possession plays. Don't give anything to Steven Anderson over the middle. Right? Don't give anything to Powell on comeback routes and on post routes. And then don't give Treggs any speed, any speed, like, route. Like, any go route or any, any post route, right? And that's, it was, that's how set it was. Versus coming into this year, you're like, okay, like, what do we know about Chad Anson? What do we know about Demetrius Robertson? What do you know about McKee Stovall? What do we know about VC? What do we know? Like, you can go down the list and... You just didn't have enough to, to game plan for them. And because our starters weren't really set in terms of those are the five guys that will always be on there and rotating, we, we, went, we can go too deep at every position and rotate enough wide receivers where they're constantly being thrown off, which is what has happened over the, our, the course of our season so far, right? Is it seems like every single game other than Chad Hansen, there has been that one other guy that stepped up, right? The Texas game, I think, was VC, who was huge. And, you know, last two weeks ago against Oregon State, I can't really think off the top of my head. Uh, but, I mean, last week was Stovall for sure. And so, oh, and then against Utah, it was definitely D-Rob, was, who was amazing. So I think that's what happens, right? They have two stud cornerbacks. And let's say Chad Hansen plays, then, then let's say either Marshall and Adderley Jackson takes him and then I'm pretty sure they'll put the other guy on D-Rob just because of the athleticism, just to match that up and make sure you stick with him. So you knock those two out, right? They cancel each other out. Then can the other guys mark our other guys is what it comes down to, in my opinion. Can can their linebackers guard Stovall, right? Or can their nickel guard Stovall? Can the other guys block VC or stay on him well enough to not 
allow yards down the field. And that's where, that's where our key lies. And, yeah, because you can only have so many corners out on the field versus us. And if, if you're, if you're going to go with, like, a, what, what San Diego State ran with five DBs, then, okay, we're just going to run it. We're pretty good. I mean, if you're only going to put five in the box, we're going to run it. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. And so that's where it comes. I think that's, that's, the, that's the matchup that I'm looking up to the most. Is can our other wide receivers beat their other corners slash linebackers or whoever's marking them? And if that works, and then our of course our run game can push at the line of scrimmage and get those one two yard type you know first downs, I think we win. I, I yeah, I, I think we do. Hmm. So that's my take on it. And your prediction? <sighs> my prediction. Let's see. Forty-five twenty-one. Wait, forty-five twenty-one. Who? Us. Cal. Yeah. I'm going hot take this week. Hot take. I see us getting close. Wow. I say us getting. Cl- I see us getting close. <laughs> wow. I see us getting close to the drop forty mark. Uh, drop fifty mark. Forty-five twenty-one. Forty-five twenty-one. All right, we're gonna have to put some sort of bet on this. Yeah. You know. You know what? Also, is channeling me. What? Is because I'm a. Fr- I'm. I'm. Do you know something that I don't? I don't. Do you but know if Chad Hansen playing? Jared Goff's going to be there? Jared Goff is going to be there. That's why you're so hyped. I, I'm pretty sure Jared Goff's going to be there. I is don't he see... suiting up instead of Dave's <laughs> Is he punting as if he was Cole Leininger? Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to run a pooch punt and put Jared Goff out there? Hey, I think Davis, the, I think the magic works. 20 yards. I think the magic... I think that's where the magic happens. Oh, my gosh. I so think Cal ends the streak against SC. In the Coliseum. In the Coliseum and does it... By more than three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. That is a hot take. And Jared Goff celebrates, and then next week he starts for the Rams. Woo! All right. Drop the mic. I think Rob's going to it a little bit here by <laughs> some drop of the his mic. allegiances. <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, I, that score is, is something that I thought long and hard about, and I said, you know what? I really think we can pull this off. I think, yeah, I... Uh, I feel like, and I'll just end with this and, uh, on my side. I feel like every single game this year, one side of the ball has learned something, right? Um, like in terms of the Utah, we le- we, the defense learned that they can play with some of the best teams in the, in the Pac-12, right? It, they're, not, they're not a doormat. Like they're, they're good enough to be able to play. And I think our offense realized last week that they can't afford to put – they can't take their foot off the gas pedal. They have to score when they're able to and constantly keep scoring yeah. and run up the score. I get worried about that, though, because I think there's always pressure on the offense. And, like, the efficiency right. of the offense, when you look, like, read Nick's column, and it's like they're performing at such a high level, a high level. And even then, if you don't score on one or two possessions, it feels like, oh, no, can we trust our defense? Yeah. So you must really be expecting a us to be able to come in on a short week yeah. defensively and totally stop this Cause, offense. Because this is how I felt right before the Utah game, remember? I did say, I, I did feel like, I think this is the week that we turn the corner mm-hmm. in terms of our defense, right? I, mm-hmm. I was at that press conference with, Jane, John, uh, with uh, Looney, and I said, I, I think that our defense is going to make some noise this week, which is what they did. And I think, I think, um, judging from the reactions of how that Oregon game happened, the defense knows the onus is on them. 
right? They let Oregon get back into the game, right? And versus the Oregon State game, which was just a total disaster of a game in terms of offense and defense, right? Mm-hmm. You scrap that game and you go back to the rest and you go, okay, what can the offense learn? What can the defense learn? And the defense goes, do what we did against Utah. Like this might be a little bit more, they might be a little more athletic, but they sure as hell can't run the ball. And the other asterisk I have on this is Justin Davis might not be able to play. I think he's out. Yeah. So if that's the case, they're leading rushers out. And they don't have a single guy in the top, top 10 of rushing in the Pac-12. Let me look that up just to clarify. Um, yeah, Justin Davis is number six, right? Cal has two. Cal is Muhammad is at four and Trey's at nine, right? So you, you sold me a little bit off of the, the ledge that I was on, but yeah, I still think that's a pretty <laughs> hot take. Yeah, it's a hot take. It's a hot take. So don't, don't, don't hurt me on that. But yeah. All right, your prediction? Uh, my prediction is 41-24 USC wins. 44-21? Oh, 41-24. Yeah. So we're right around the same I like mark. To, Vegas has been incredibly spot on yep. with every single game this year. Yep. They are right at that 16, 14-16 line. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm going with them. And, Didn't yeah, they have Cal? I appreciate some forgiveness if that's not that way. Here's what I think happens. I think you see a, a flash of the Cal that you're envisioning right now. Cal comes out, plays defense better than expected, maybe even takes a lead, 21-10, something in the first half. Like We actually take a lead and look pretty good, 21-10. You know? All right, wow, Cal looks great. Same thing, collapse, SC scores a bunch of points, and uh, yeah, we maybe get a field goal in the second half. Offense disappears, feels too much pressure, and SC wins. Uh, yeah, I feel bad for saying it, but I just like I have a hard time believing that on a short week against a team as bad as Oregon, we're going to come in and beat a team that's playing as well as SC and find a different level. Because I think at this point we're halfway through the season, we're not coming off of a bye, and that level has been found. Looney's hurt. Um, you know, we're tremendously thin at linebacker. We're tremendously thin at safety. Tremendously Rambo, thin at D line. At D, I mean, we're just. I, I think that. Unfortunately, like you don't always have to measure star by star, you know, recruiting status, one recruit by the other. But I do think you have to measure experience, countered by experience, and uh, they have the talent offensively to not need a good running back to be able to put up numbers against Cal. Because as you remember, Oregon State had their fullback run all over us with that with ease, and Helton's Helton's a better coach than people give him credit for. I think. I really hope your reality happens. I like that we have the balance, though. Hmm. So one of us will be proven right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put a bet on it. Yeah, Gordo's burrito or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess I guess that's that. Um, and we had some questions from fans regarding football, right? Are you not going to talk about your boy? I mean, I'm just. I just thought we would talk about the football question oh. since we're talking on football. Okay. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there to my heartbreak that happened last <laughs> week, but. As of now, um, yeah, what were our two questions this week, Andy? Okay, so they actually came from one of my Twitter followers. Uh, Aheda? Okay. A-H-E-D-A. And I will uh, give a shout-out because they posted a um, a very interesting, like, 
stat progression almost uh-huh. of the running game efficiency from the beginning of the Cal Oregon game to the end. And it was like for oh, the yeah, first the 12 possessions. Yeah, 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 we were I averaging like 10 yards a carry. And yeah. then it kind of dipped, then peaked again, and then dipped towards the end of the game. Yeah, but it's kind of flattened out. And we were at like averaging, what was it, as a team? Four and a half, five. Yeah, let me just get that stuff. Um, as a team, we averaged 5.5. You know, one more little thing to note about that Oregon game. We set the FBS record in terms of plays in a single game by both teams, like added total. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. And it wasn't in a very exciting way, but we've moved on. Yeah, we, yeah, we, okay, we so uh, the first question had to do with, uh, I believe, Demarie Drew? Demarie? Yeah, Demarie. Is yeah. that who he's referencing? Uh, it's just Drew. Could Drew and Noah medically register? Oh, no, 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 Drew Kobayashi. Oh, all right. Drew right. Kobayashi and Kanavai Noah. All right, well, he threw me off with the first name last night then. There you go. Sorry, so, yeah, could Drew and Noah medically redshirt? Drew played in one game, and I don't feel like Noah has played at all. I think Kobayashi definitely does. Um, I mean, the, the, the thing is, I don't know how, I don't know exactly how the redshirt thing works, but I don't, I think even if you suit up, but if you, even if you suit up and not play a snap for the entire season, that's a red shirt. Correct. Right? So Suiting up doesn't matter. Suit- Actually, they even used to say that, well, when I was with the team, I'm, I'm 80, 85% sure that you could play against in one game and not have to burn a red shirt. If it was like an FS, FCS opponent or something like uh, that. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that could be right. Because it's probably most likely you're going to run up the score and it's just giving other guys opportunities to play. So that might be right. But regardless... If if you if you don't play a snap, that's a red shirt, and kind of I know a little bit. Um, he played in the Hawaii game, but he I don't think he's been like good all year. Um, he had, if I remember, I'm I might be butchering this. I I think he had surgery in the off season, if I remember correctly, um, and he was just coming back through fall camp. And, but yeah, I think Kobayashi for sure is a red shirt. That's that's like no no question. And at this point, so late into the season, and Noah probably has not broken into the team. As much as I love the guy, I do think he's moving on. Um, that's just, really, I yeah, I just there. I if he's if he hasn't broken the team yet in two years of playing, and he's played s- snaps, right? It's not like they're like, okay, you need to like get fit first, or like you need to bulk up some more. You know, it, it wasn't one of those, and. He played a few snaps last year. He played a few snaps this year. And with the new wide receivers that we have coming in next year, on top of the guys that we already have who aren't basically aren't leaving, it's just hard to envision him staying and going with, like, the status quo. Right. I like it. Uh, and the other one has to do with Darren Brown. And um, that was... Is is he playing? We saw it a lot. We saw a lot of number thirty-seven last week. Why? Coyote Dyke is a transfer from Nevada. He sat out one year, right? So he has D one experience, and I think it came to the point where they trusted Coyote Dyke, DK. No, not Dyke. DK. Coyote DK, uh, and that he was able to play. And I think he played solid. I don't think he's a starter. He's definitely a rotation guy for sure, but he's done well enough. And Darren Brown, for people that forget, he's still a safety-turned-linebacker. He's still undersized. He's still way undersized. Um, so I think 
that's where that lies. I think Coyote DK is going to be a solid rotation player for us going forward. Yeah. Great questions. Yeah. Ask yeah. them next, next week. Those are fun. Yeah. Um, okay, and then the last little bit of news. Ira Lee committed this past week. Committed to Arizona. Sadly. Oh, so much sadness in so that statement. Sadness. So much sadness. But, but we move on. We move on to bigger and better things. Two guys that are still on Cal's radar in terms of recruiting for next year. Five-star center Brandon McCoy um, has kept it real close to his chest. Like, as, in terms of no one knows, like, if any team is in his top ten. No one knows, like, if he's, like, leaning towards any team. Like, wow. it is silent. Uh, but judging from what people are saying is that he's pretty good in terms of uh, how he stands with Cal. Like, not, like, in the sense that he's going to come to us, but we're not out of the running. I think every single team that's in the running for McCoy are just, they're all even. I don't know how many teams there are, but let's say they are, there are 10 programs. Like, everyone is at 10% in terms of interest. Uh, and then also Troy Brown, uh, consensus top 15 uh, recruit, probably is, is one of the most like intriguing prospects from this year just because he's, he grew up a point guard all his life, and then he burst five inches. So he stands at 6'6", six, six with point guard skills. That's, that's incredible. Um, so, like Anthony Davis. Exactly. So he's they lined him up at they say he's a they say he's a small forward but I think he kind of wants to play point so he's probably gonna look for a place where he can probably I mean most places are gonna groom him as a small forward but in like the the Ben Simmons LeBron James type mold I'm not talking about like how he plays but that what he is in terms of that offense like he's gonna have the ball as a small forward and direct the offense and how does you he know. fit in with our team with Charlie Moore then I think if he does come. That that lineup is unstoppable. Um, you you got Charlie Moore playing one, right? He could all Charlie could also play the two. Like he's a good enough shooter to run him off screens like we did with J Matt and just have him shoot. So I think there you're gonna have a lot of points at least this year where you see Singer and Moore play together, um, and Singer will be the one directing traffic and Moore will be more of that shooting guy. Uh, but if he does come, Moore plays the one. Jamal Baker plays the two, who's arguably one of, like, I've already fallen in love with the kid. Um, and he follows me on Twitter, too, so I love it. I love it. Uh, well, amazing. Good. Who needs I really anyways? Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, well. He's, <laughs> Jamal is an amazing shooter. If you haven't looked at his tape, please go to YouTube and check out his tape. He's, his, off, his shooting off the bounce and coming off the screens is just, it's... I think it's, I watched this, actually. It's so fun to watch. And I'm going to have a lot of fun watching him when he's at Cal. Uh, but... I think he plays at the two. Then you have, um, what? what um, sorry, uh, Troy play at the three, and then you have you have a plethora of options at the four. Like you can play Roman Davis at the four. Um, maybe if Brandon McCoy comes with him, then you have McCoy play at the four, and then you have Marcus Lee play at the five. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great lineup. Yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have seen. Ivan and Marcus play together. Like that would have been, a, I mean, the the maybe the imagination. Is, I mean, it's not possible. He has to sit out this year. 
or if, if, Ivan, if Ivan stays another year. <laughs> uh, I just laugh at that remark. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, the imagination of that offense was like endless. Running pick and rolls with I, Ivan and Marcus would have been amazing. It would have been Lob City uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, that that pretty much wraps it up. We don't have much else to talk about. That was good. Yeah. So Cal's Cal plays this Thursday, which is today. You're listening to this. Um, next, uh, next Thursday, it's already November. Um, and so next Thursday is Cal's first basketball game. Wow. It's an exhibition uh, against uh, some Cal State school uh, at Haas. So here I was thinking it was against South Dakota. Yeah. I think that's the that's the first official game. Oh, okay. So since this this is just an exhibition, the fun thing is I think we might actually see Marcus Lee play. Oh, right. You said everyone can play. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it is you're you're allowed to play. So if you're around, I'm talking to the audience. If you're around, please come check it out. I think uh, does it count for the record or no? It does not. Oh, mm-hmm. zero zero. No official stats will be taken. Or, I mean, stats will be taken, but none of them will account like towards. They're like season statistics and whatnot. So come see the future of our point guard and Charlie Moore. Um, come see Ivan in year two, which I've heard is amazing. And yeah, come probably see Marcus play and what could have been if Marcus was able to get eligibility for this year. So there you have it. That wraps it up for us this week. We're good. Love it. Yeah. Pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, I hope you guys like the new format. Please send us some some uh, comments, concerns, questions about the format, things you liked, things you didn't like. I mean, we're pretty much here only because you guys listen to us. So if you have any adjustments that you want us to make, halftime adjustments, yeah. uh, we will be happy. We will make them. We will be happy to make those adjustments. And let's hope our team does tomorrow. Yep. Yep. Beat the Trojans. Beat the Trojans. <laughs> we'll be cracking open our victory beers next week if we beat, if we beat SC. Uh, so I hope you're and then, Oh, I, by the way, Darius Allensworth. Avi just said, uh, did travel, or said he's questionable for the game. But he did travel with the team. Yeah. So I I guess we'll see in warm-ups. He did travel. Yeah. All right. So I guess it's a game-time decision then. So, yeah, that wraps it up for us. Uh, I mean, if we do beat SC, I mean, I think next week we have a lot more questions in terms of the Cal season to talk about than we do just the SC game. Uh, So, Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many times I said it, but that wraps it up for us. Uh, we'll be back next week after the SC game, and as always, go Bears. Go Bears. You know it. Why you know it?